Welcome to the What in the World is God Doing podcast, conversations with Highland Park mission partners here in Casper, Wyoming, and around the world. In the midst of global crises and a daily onslaught of discouraging news, this podcast will encourage you about the good work God is doing around the world and inspire you to join in God's mission in our everyday lives. Highland Park Community Church exists to take risks to pursue God and love like Jesus. Our mission partners are courageously living that out at home and abroad. I'm Darren Edwell-Palker, the Go Pastor at Highland Park, and joining me today is Bob Pearson. Bob is the founder of Horizon International, and Bob, we are so grateful that you're here today. Uh, you and I go back quite a ways to my early days of ministry in Southern California as a new pastor, and uh, just grateful that you're here joining us in the studio in Casper. And welcome, Bob. Tell us about Horizon and what you guys do. Well, first of all, let's let me say to all my friends at Highland Park, what a great privilege for me to come back to Casper, even in the midst of the season in which we find ourselves. So many memories, so many uh, joyous uh, pathways that we've walked together as a congregation and uh, with Horizon. And, um, and Darren, I'm so proud of you and Amy for stepping up and fulfilling your missional heart. It, it just uh, blesses me in ways that I can't even begin to tell you to see in this capacity. So Thanks welcome so much, to yeah. this Highland Park team. Thank you. It's a dream to be here. I love it and uh, amazed at how God places us right where we need to be when the time's right. Well, I'll tell you, uh, Horizon started literally in a dream. It, it started on May 17 in the year 2001 after I stepped down from a position uh, called General Director of the Church of God in Anderson. And um, I had no clue what I was going to do at the age of 45. And, and I took a few months off, and God was using that time to prepare me um, as he was giving me an opportunity of my first Sabbath rest, as the book of Hebrews des describes it, in, in over 30 years of ministry. And during that time... Um, I had a dream in May, and in this dream, God uh, spoke to me uh, in a pretty dramatic way. I, I was in a large body of water and um, feeling incredibly alone and, and uh, feeling like I had been set loose of the moorings of everything that seemed familiar in my life, including my Church of God family. Mm. And in the midst of that, I felt a stirring in the water behind me, and I turned around, and it was Jesus. And he came walking in the water toward me, and he embraced me, and he looked into my eyes, and he said, Bob, I know you want to know what's on the horizon of your life, Wow! but I've come to you in this way to remind you of something that I know you already know, and that is, I want you to make me the horizon of your life. If you make me the horizon of your life, you will always know the next step that I want you to take, because I'm it. If you do what I show you to do, and you take that step. Well, we'll go into the future together. I will show you the next step in my time. You will always know what you need to do because I'm your horizon. And as you can imagine, that's where the name came from later, but it wasn't until six weeks later that I got a phone call from a guy that I had never, ever met. And through a networking process that I was engaged in, he had heard of me, and he was a very successful businessman, and he invited me in an all-expenses-paid trip to go to Africa, from Cape Town to Cairo. And so at the end of August, uh, with no money in my pocket, I found myself in Cape Town on the first leg of a four-country 
a tour over two weeks. And on the third day we were in Cape Town, I was taken to a township called Guguletu, home to some 200,000 members of the Koza tribe, of which Nelson Mandela is probably most well known. Mm -hmm. And there I was taken to the home of a man who had been unfaithful to the woman that he was living with, not his wife. And in his unfaithfulness, he had contracted HIV-AIDS, came home, infected her. She had died three weeks earlier in their very simple shack um, from HIV-AIDS. Now he was slipping in and out of a coma because he had AIDS full-blown as well. As a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ, I took out my anointing oil um, formed the sign of the cross on his forehead, committed him to eternity, and as I got up, very disturbed and troubled about the, the stewardship of life that was missing from his, his um, life. It was pretty interesting to me. I turned around, and there were the three young children of their union who had just watched their mother die, and now they were seeing that happen to their dad. And because they weren't a family, per se, in terms of marriage and, and so forth, nobody could tell me what was going to happen to their future? Mm. We went from there to a medical dispensary in Guguletu run by a Presbyterian pastor, a church planter, who had been in ministry in Guguletu for, for 10 years. And he, um, his wife ran the medical AIDS clinic, and he asked me a question. He said, Bob, should we let the babies of our country live or should we let them die? At that time, 20% of the population of South Africa was infected with HIV AIDS. 20%. 20%, it, it, it literally grew much, much greater than that. And it's still, even though we don't hear about AIDS in our country a lot anymore, it's still the number one issue in Africa. So I, um, I, was, I said to the guy, of course we have to let the babies live in your country. We've got to try to, which he said, well, if we let them live, who's going to take care of them? That really hit me, really between, right in the gut, actually, Darren. And so I came home from that trip after going on to uh, Kenya and Sudan and Egypt where I saw incredible ministries. But I couldn't get the children of that Guguletu shack out of my heart. And at that time, there were 12.1 million children under the age of 14 who had lost both of their parents to HIV AIDS. And the whole population of my home state of Indiana is only 6 million. So. Wow. That's like two states in the Midwest. That many kids, 14. And that didn't even count the number of kids between the ages of 14 and 18 who had lost one parent or were about ready to, to lose a second, you know. And, and, um, and so it was just the, the, the tip of the iceberg, as we say. And I just, I, I came home from that trip deeply troubled on the night before 9-11, and we all were defined in many ways in our lives yeah. by what happened on 9-11. For those of us old enough to have experienced it, on that morning I was in bed and uh, my, my body was somewhere halfway over the Atlantic Ocean and you know what I'm talking about. And, and I, um, I went to turn on a movie that called The Power of One that had been filmed in South Africa. And before I switched it over to the VCR, which dates me, I know, I... I um, I saw the plane hitting the World Trade Center, and I, my eyes were glued like everybody else's that day on the television most of the day. And that whole day, all I could think about, Darren, was Mother Teresa and my visit to her center for the dying in Calcutta in 1978 on Christmas evening. And Mother Teresa is one of my heroes and one of, one of our generational heroes uh, that I represent. And I will tell you, 
um, as I sat there thinking about Mother Teresa, I said, Lord, why am I just thinking about Mother Teresa here? And she, and, 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 um, and then I put it together, and I, I, I found myself thinking that if the Church of Jesus Christ doesn't rise up and seize the day and save a generation of kids who, through no fault of their own, have lost their parents to HIV-AIDS, if we don't give them the hope of Jesus, then they're going to respond to whoever offers them hope no matter how false that hope might be. And so it was that in those moments I remembered my dream and Jesus saying, make me your horizon. It all came together for me on 9-11. And I got down on my knees next to my bed and I dedicated the rest of my life to use every experience and every relationship, including Highland Park, to do everything that we can can to save a generation of kids um, with the hope of Jesus. And that's how Horizon started. It's beautiful. Now, almost 20 years later, can you give us a sense of the extent of the reach of Horizon throughout Africa? You know, it's a pretty amazing global missions family that God has given to me. I remember in the middle of the dream feeling like the global missions family that I've been a part of all of my life, the Church of God family, which Highland Park is a part. I didn't fit anymore, even though I'm still an ordained Church of God minister. But really what was happening was God was 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 um, like an eaglet being pushed out of the nest mm-hmm. by the mother eagle. It was almost as if God was making what I had always known uncomfortable and wanting me to fly in a kingdom direction that I had I couldn't even see coming months earlier. And that's what's happened. God has done a miraculous thing, giving us this incredible staff of African partners across five African countries. We started... Um, in Western Cape Province, South Africa, near Cape Town, um, expanded there to um, five other countries over the last few years. Now we work in three of the provinces of, of nine in South Africa. We work all over the country of Zimbabwe, in Zambia, in Southern Africa. And then um, in East Africa, we work all over the country in Uganda. And uh, our most recent uh, uh, venture is the country of Ethiopia, where the former prime minister and first lady are members of our team there. That's an amazing story in and of itself. So God has blessed my life and blessed my ministry. We've been doing this now for 20 years, and now we're seeing a generation of kids who literally have grown up as babies, and they're getting scholarships, and they're graduating from university scholarships that we provide, and This next year, we're going to be hiring a number of them in various specialty roles in our ministries as our staffs are Wow, and each one of them is a story. Oh, my gosh, Darren. It's just been the most incredible privilege of my life Mm. to do what I'm doing. And and God used every single step and experience of learning along the way to equip me to do what we've been able to do. I would give another five lifetimes to do what I've been privileged to do the last 20 years. Wow. Can you give us a snapshot of the good work that's happening out there right now? Oh, my goodness. I'd be honored to. You know, every country is a story. Every partner in a country is a story. Every kid that's sponsored in a country is a story. But let me just uh, share with you a little bit about the country of Uganda. Uh, you're going on a missions trip with me potentially in October in Uganda. And um, we don't know if we're going to be able to travel. We don't know anything yet, Darren. But I will tell you that uh, in that country, we partner with 375 churches. They're also called Church of God, but 
Uh, it's not Church of God uh, that we're all a part of. Uh, it's right on the edge. They get great Church of God theology, and and uh, I've done all of their leadership training across the last 17 years. And, and you know, um, those churches, many of them have children's clubs. We have 200 children's clubs in the country of Uganda today that are operated through those partner churches. I asked our staff person, the national director, uh, Bishop Silas Adagonza Mufumu, how many kids meet on a weekly basis? He told me 50,000. So I'm going to put that in half, and that's probably the realistic number <laughs> between 20 and 30,000 every week that, that are impacted with the gospel, even though we have a fraction of that who are sponsored. And, uh, and in that country, we, we operate two children's homes. One of them is, is an HIV-positive children's home that used to be called Our Own Home. It grew out of this congregation through Holly Bazell and, uh, and her family. Now she, her last name is Holly Fenny. She married a black African named William, and they're here in Casper. And you know, uh, they, they did an incredible work for HIV-positive kids. And a couple years ago, about three years ago, they made the decision to close the home and, uh, and move here for the sake of their family. And I was so deeply troubled um, over the plight of those kids. God was speaking to me, and I approached Holly and her dad, Joe, and I said, would it be okay with you if we just took this on? Would you turn the property over to Horizon and let us run the thing administratively with our Horizon Uganda staff? And they got back to me in a couple of days and said, yes. And so we haven't looked back. It's one of the best managed projects in our whole system in Africa. And in a day when children's homes are being closed, the government wants us to build a second one on property that we want to acquire there. The government? The government does. And they're the ones that are shutting down homes all across the country, which tells you something about how well, well run it is. I say that to say there are, there are two children's homes. We run a number of uh, primary schools, like our elementary schools, particularly in the western region of the country. But the latest children, uh, the latest uh, elementary school is right across the street that we started on property that this congregation helped us purchase. Um, the Covenant Elementary School, it's part of the Covenant Children's Home in our ministry in Bikwi District, East Uganda. So, it, you know, um, that country, uh, when you think about uh, the children's homes, you think about the the home-based orphan care that we do with, with kids that are living with grandparents and aunts and uncles in the elementary schools. And we also have uh, the Midwest Vocational Training School, which has now been certified as a full-fledged uh, vocational high school. Where, and I was just there in late January, and we dedicated a two-story, uh, eight-classroom building that is on about 50 hectares of land that we own, right, right center in the development of town called Fort Portal. So we have a lot going on. Um, one of the latest things that we're excited about is we are launching a major church planting ministry through um, the establishing of children's clubs in some of the districts where uh, Bishop Silas doesn't have many churches. And these are areas that are largely unreached. And uh, we're very excited about the combination of planting churches through orphan care. And uh, so that will continue to expand the number of kids that we were able to take care of in the name of Jesus. So, Bob, we're recording this the end of May 2020, or a few months into the COVID crisis. How has that been impacting lives in Africa, and particularly the lives that Horizon touches? Well, just like here, um, 
most of the continent of Africa, particularly the countries that we work in, are about six weeks um, later than we are in the build-out of the COVID thing. I was speaking in Southern California um, my last trip uh, toward the end of February before everything locked down the first, second week of March. And uh, in those days, we were very concerned about what was going to happen in Africa, but it didn't really hit Africa until about the middle of April. Um, they are fully... Uh, here we, we attended the Highland Park services this morning. Some of the kids that I'm in touch with, university recipients, couldn't believe we could even go to church because they're under total lockdown. So um, the international airlines have all stopped their flying. Um, all of the planes are grounded. Airports are closed. Uh, the uh, national uh, borders are sealed. Uh, in South Africa particularly, because of its open society, the army and the police have been patrolling the streets to keep people off the streets. It's much more of a lockdown than we have experienced mm -hmm. in America. Uh, they, um, the, the, uh, the, the schools are closed, the churches are closed, so subsequently our children's clubs cannot meet. Uh, in South Africa, we run a series of drop-in centers that this congregation has helped to build, and all of those places are closed. The one thing that we can do all across Africa, our staff has been regarded and they've received special licenses from their individual governments where they're considered like, for the lack of a better term, first responders. And so being first responders with that permission from the government to move around in their vehicles mm. without fine or arrest, believe it or not, um, we've been able to take all the money that we use through child sponsorships and instead of paying school fees because the schools aren't meeting, we have used that money and extra money as well to purchase food. And we, um, before before it became totally restrictive, I uh, I directed all of our partners to, to fill up their warehouses with food. And so we were able to do that. And so uh, we've been able to use uh, and beef up food parcels. And all the kids are receiving food parcels on a regular basis through this COVID experience. Now, we can't stop and visit the kids in their homes, nor can they receive the spiritual nourishment through the Children's Club right now, but we're keeping them alive so that we can help them thrive after they survive this, this COVID crisis. And that's a beautiful testimony of the infrastructure that was built both relationally and yes. also logistically just to be able to get um, that out and to have the respect in the community to be considered first responders. For, for instance, in Bulawayo, Zimbabwe, um, the, the system is that in all of these rural areas where these children's clubs exist through local churches, uh, the, the, uh, the key volunteer in that children's club will well, uh, that'll be the drop-off point for the food parcels from our, our key office in Bulawayo. And this is similar of every of one of our centers. And five kids at a time will be contacted to come and pick up their food parcel at the volunteer coordinator's house. And so we've got this elaborate system where our staff isn't duly exposed. And, and um, you know, you also asked me about how our kids have been impacted in many areas, there are just a few hundred cases. Um, but in Cape Town, Cape Town is the hot spot right now. And, uh, and it's, it's, it's like wildfire spreading through those townships where we work and live, where we started our ministry, where the Kiasa Kids Choir is from that have come to Highland Park several times over the years. Another way that has been impacted, Darren, is that 
We're not able to aggressively recruit for child sponsorships right now. Now, the good news is we've only lost three sponsors out of like 2,600. That's an amazing yeah. thing. We've had a few who said, I've got to take three or four months off because I've been laid off, but I'll get my job back when this thing's over. And so we've given them that break. But for the most part, um, we have been spared what many other organizations have, have gone through in terms of losses. I remember in 2008, 2009, during the global economic meltdown, we had 1,500 sponsors and lost 300. So I feel like the greatest miracle of all for us is being able to hang on to very loyal child sponsors, even in a country that now has 40 million people unemployed as a result of wow. COVID. So I feel very, very blessed and grateful. And if people want to step up and sponsor, how can they do that? Well, they can uh, contact us via our website, www.horizonorphans.com, and there are kids available for sponsorship via the website. Um, they will receive food parcels immediately, but obviously... That's all that we can do right now until um, Africa emerges. Uh, it's interesting, Darren, that um, in child sponsorship, uh, that's really the, the most incredible thing that we can do for an African child because they, they get to go to school because the, the, the tuition, you have to pay to go to school in Africa. So there's not like a public school system there like we have. Everything, well, there are public schools, but the whole system is based on the British model and kids have to pay. Their parents have to pay. So we don't have parents. Kids can't go to school. So sponsorship makes it possible. So they'll literally stay home if they don't have the money to go? That's, that's right. And so we have an opportunity to educate a child and, and to feed a child and to provide clothing for a child through sponsorship. And, and uh, we've been doing this long enough now, and we have so many success stories of kids who have emerged, gotten a scholarship. Last year, we sponsored 35 kids, full university scholarships, plus monthly allowances to empower them through the, the, the power of child sponsorship. That's what it does. And so for, for $40 a month, I know that's a lot for some people who have been unemployed recently, but for people who still have a job, that that's a meal at the Silver Fox here in town, yep. or, or, or Fire Rock, one time for a month, you can literally give the hope of a child and give them hope of Jesus through that, and they become a part of... We have so many kids who have committed their lives to Christ, and now we have kids in Uganda, for instance, who are preparing to go to the Church of God Seminary at KISS to be trained to be pastors, to be sent right back to help plant some of these churches that we're, we're starting to put on the, on the table for planting. So... It's a full circle for me. I've done it long enough to see the harvest, and wow. we're in our Easter season beyond COVID, of course. That's awesome. You know, we're so grateful here at Highland because missions is such a big part of our heartbeat, and we do it uniquely. A lot of churches take a portion or percentage out of their budget, and they give to missions. We do something, as you know, called Faith Promise. Uh, Faith Promise started when a guy uh, named Cliff Tierney back about 40 years ago. Cliff was the founding pastor of the church that I pastored in California, uh, came and spoke about faith promise. And the whole thing with faith promise is um, you ask God for what amount he would have you give that year, and you look for some unexpected way that he provides it. It's not money that you already have or plan to have, but you say, God, I'm going to go on this journey. God told Abraham to go, but he didn't tell him where and how he was going to get there. He just said go. And so we want people to be invited on this journey to give, um, and not just to give, but to be a part of it. We had a trip planned to South Africa this summer. Unfortunately, due to the COVID crisis, that was shut down. 
But we are standing with you in prayer. And for those that are listening, if you're not yet a part of our Faith Promise partnership, we really encourage you. Through Faith Promise, Highland's able to give $34,000 a year to the work of Horizon. And we're so grateful. Every single dollar counts. It makes a difference. And you guys are making a difference on the field. So for those of you listening, go to hpcc.church slash missions, sign up for our weekly newsletter, get be a part of our Faith Promise giving, and know that uh, important works like Horizon are being supported through that. Um, Bob, how can we pray for you and the ministry of Horizon? Well, first of all, let me just say I smile when I think of Cliff and Betty Tierney because they were my family's pastor at Holiday Park after they left South Bay many years ago. Um, Holiday, uh, a longtime church congregation in the Portland, Oregon area where I grew up. But I had the privilege of um, recruiting Cliff to come to Southern California to be our area administrator. And I later followed him in that position. And uh, Cliff and Betty supported this ministry until literally the month before Cliff passed away. And, um, and so you're reaching way back into my life and into Horizon's history when you, you lift up a name that I treasure, and I learned a great deal about Faith Promise through. So thank you for sharing that today. Um, and I think it was 40 years ago this year that Cliff first came to Highland Park and introduced the concept of Faith Promise. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Well, I could tell you stories about Cliff and Faith Promise, but let me just share with you that in terms of praying for us, pray that as doors are beginning to open in Africa that we would be wise in how to to re-engage. Uh, we had to cancel 17 GO teams this year, including the Highland one, and that was one I was going to personally lead, and it broke my heart to do it. But uh, pray as we reschedule some of those trips, as we work with airlines to get, get refunds back, that's not the easiest task. Um, airlines are on the verge of closing. Um, our travel agent in America closed and consolidated with its offices in Europe, in London. Uh, uh, I came through the Denver airport to get here. It was a ghost. It was a mausoleum. Mm. Things are things are not going to be the same, and so pray that as we navigate this scenario, uh, that that we do it well and that we come out. I, 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 God is positioning us right now to scale the heights when COVID breaks. Mm. It's a pretty amazing thing that's happening, and I could tell you about that more. But pray pray that we will be wise stewards of what God has gifted us, even during this COVID experience. You know, the image that I'm getting as you're talking is um, here in Wyoming, it's finally spring after six long months of winter. (laughs) And it's amazing. There's life everywhere. It's vibrant. There's wildlife. Uh, The trees are beautiful. The flowers are out. And all of that life was there because there were root systems and seeds and and, um, things that had been planted long ago. And so that's sort of the image that I get that it's, it's kind of a winter things are, are, are closed down, shut down, but that doesn't mean there's not life happening. And when the time is right, and, and when this season lifts, we trust for an increase, we trust for a blessing that um, of fruitfulness, of lives touched, of provision, uh, of blessing stepping into this new season. You know, Darren, that, that parable of Jesus of the seed dying in the ground so that it can mm-hmm. grow in a new way is in many ways an apropos illustration of what's happening with Horizon right now. We've literally come through a season where during COVID we're being reborn. And you're going to see Horizon probably experienced its greatest growth 
that we've ever had in our 20 years in the weeks and months that follow the opening. We'll open here before we will open in Africa. But it's because of the seeds on both sides of the Atlantic that has helped us to thrive during this time when many nonprofits are in trouble. We are actually thriving. Mm. And, and, um, and, and part of what that means is that I believe God has a great future for us. And it's through partners like Highland Park. So again, thank you for your prayers and for the child sponsors and for the fight promise giving. And, and we'll go again. We'll go to uh, Limpopo and we'll go to, to East Africa in Uganda and see Covenant because I believe God is just beginning to give the harvest that he wants to give this organization and our partnership. Well, Thanks, I'd love Darren. to pray for you and uh, for those Please. listening, if you would join us as we pray. That would be awesome. God, I thank you so much for the way that you revealed yourself to Bob 20 years ago and gave a vision of you on the horizon, saying that you are the horizon when he was in the season of change and uncertainty and, and what was next. And here we are 20 years later, celebrating amazing work that you have done, and yet we're in a season that feels like a winter where we don't see the fruit on the trees the way that we would like, and yet we know that spring is coming. We know that fruitful season is ahead. And so we ask your blessing upon Bob, the Horizon team, especially the men and women on the ground there in Africa and the children. Jesus, you care for each and every one. You know them by name. And so we thank you for the way that you allow us to partner with you financially through prayer, being a part of the ministry. And we ask that you would encourage each of us, God, in this difficult and dark season to know that there is hope on the horizon and that you are at work. And for that, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, Bob. So grateful that you joined us coming in for our first ever What in the World is God Doing podcast. Uh, so we get to hear the stories like this one, and it truly has been an encouragement. Thanks for being there with us. What a privilege for me to be here. God bless you, and God bless the ministry of Highland Park. Please check us out, hpcc.church missions. Sign up for our weekly newsletter, and you can find out what's happening locally and globally and be a part of it. Our goal is to get you moving on mission for the sake of the kingdom. In Jesus' name. Thanks for joining us. God bless.